and welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is Kim Groves, hoping you have been having a lovely week so far. I also hope you had a chance to explore Queen Vashti's story for yourself. Now today we are going to examine Solomon's Temple in concert with other long room temples found throughout the region. Not all of these are Jewish temples, many of them are temples to other gods um, from other cultures. So we need to bear this in mind as we explore. Um, now we have already examined this based on a 1987 article in Biblical Archaeology Review, but a lot has been discovered since that time and additional digs have given us additional information. This is the way archaeology works. Archaeology is always a field where we learn more with every discovery. Now today's article is from the March-April 2011 issue of Biblical Archaeology Review and is titled Solomon's Temple in Context by Victor Hurowitz. And we're actually going to look at another one of his articles uh, later on. Now Dr. Hurowitz starts his contextualized review by reminding us of the 1936 temple find at Tel Tayanat in southern, southeastern Turkey. It was and remained the closest architecturally to Solomon's temple as described in 1 Kings for decades. He notes, however, that several archaeological finds since the 1980s have dramatically enriched the landscape that encompasses Solomon's temple. A number of temples known collectively as the symmetric Syrian temple type have been excavated from Hazor in Israel to Ebla in Syria. All are from the Middle and Late Bronze Age, and all bear some resemblance to Solomon's temple. The Tel Tayanat Temple of 1936, which was an Iron Age temple, also fits into the schema and has the additional distinction of dating to the time of Solomon. Now, in the 1980s, a temple was excavated at Andara in northern Syria. Dr. Lawrence Steger of Harvard has stated that it is the most significant find and addition to the collective temple archaeological comparisons to Solomon's temple. Now, what's significant about Andara is that it existed at the same time as Solomon's temple. Andara, like Solomon's temple, is approached by steps ascending to an entranceway flanked by two columns. As we've discussed, whether these columns supported a roof of some kind is still debated, with people advocating both for and against a roof. Also like Solomon's temple, there was a large stone basin. Andara also had engraved walls, like Solomon's temple. One of the most piquant features of the Andara temple relates to the divine presence in the temple. Three thresholds have three-foot-long, unshod footprints, giving the impressions of a gigantic god walking in to take his place in the innermost room. Whether Solomon's temple is closer to Andara or Tanat is a matter of some debate. When it comes to length, Andara is closer to Solomon's, but Tianat is similar in width. Even the length argument is kind of bogus, as the Andara temple includes the back chamber, and the others do not. Moreover, when it comes to comparing temples, overall form and relative proportions of width to length should prevail over absolute measurements. So proportions important of selected features. Solomon's Temple and the Tel Tayanat Temple are both rectangular, while Andara is nearly square. In terms of relative width to length, Tayanat is closer than to Solomon than Andara. The fact that relative proportions are key 
is indicated by the fact the length to width proportions is the same in Solomon's temple, the desert tabernacle, and the future temple envisioned by Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 49 through chapter 41, verse 4. Now, there are other comparisons one can make between Solomon's temple and Endara. The shrine in both is at the back of the main hall. Both shrines had gaps between the ceiling and the top of the shrine or between the floor and the bottom of the shrine. The inner shrines of both are separated by some type of wall or screen of sorts, and both have evidence of a back corridor added in the last stage of the building's existence. Even given these similarities, there are differences in the religious conceptions of the two temples. Solomon's temple symbolized a divine residence within a garden, as in shades of the Garden of Eden. Indara has elements of a mobile divine throne, or possibly a chariot. This is shown in the reliefs along the wall of the inner shrine. The reliefs show a bull man, lion man, eagle man, and a man. These four images are mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 10. These four hayat who pull Yahweh's chariot. The only difference between the description in Ezekiel and the reliefs found in Endara is the bull creature retains a bovine body in Endara. Ezekiel also combines the faces of the four hayat, one on each side. It would appear that Ezekiel blended the anatomical features of the figures at Endara into a single hayah, which he replicated four times and placed in a square. The similarities between Ezekiel's vision and the temple at Endara indicate a temple in flight or an airport for a mobile deity rather than a sedentary structure. In 1996, another temple was excavated in Aleppo that was dedicated to the storm god. The continuing excavation here reveals a 3rd millennium BCE building that had been renovated several times and finally abandoned sometime after 1900 BCE. While there has been no cult statue found, the resident deity has been mentioned in a building inscription. Additionally, a 6-foot high relief was identified. This temple was nearly square. The main hall was a broad room with a broad staircase leading to an entrance chamber. After a fire, the Aleppo temple was reconstructed. By this point, the area was part of the Hittite Empire. The old cult niche was walled over and the temple renovated in the Hittite style. It was again destroyed by fire at the beginning of the Iron Age. This reconstruction is signaled by a 12-line building inscription. The inscription tells us that the renovator is a king that may have been a king of a Philistine territory or kingdom. This second reconstruction post-fire shows us in a, a particularly strong regional kingdom emerged after the fall of the Hittites. The reliefs created at this time showed the storm god and his retinue. The highly decorative motifs here are a sharp contrast to the simpler decorations of Solomon's temple. The final temple we will discuss brings us back to Tel Tainat. In 2008, renewed excavations uncovered a second well-preserved temple at an approximate 90-degree angle from the previously located temple. The two Tanat temples are virtually identical, though the purpose of the second temple is unclear. It was, however, in use until the late 8th or early 7th century BCE when the site was part of an Assyrian province. 
While architecturally this temple adds little to the discussion, a cache of cuneiform tablets in late Assyrian script were discovered. Among them was a smashed but complete copy of Esarhaddon's vassal treaty. These vassal treaties are the closest parallel to the recitation of curses in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 15 through 68. While it has not been fully deciphered and published at the time of this article, it will be interesting to see how it compares with other copies of the treaty from the Mesopotamian heartland. Right now, the big takeaway is the discovery of a vassal treaty in a temple nearly identical to Solomon's temple. This is a very interesting parallel to the placing of the tablets of the covenant in the temple as described in 1 Kings chapter 8. We also know from other texts that Hittite treaties were also placed before their gods in their temples. Now, while we do not know what function the room containing the treaty served, the presence of other cultic objects indicate it may have continued to serve as the central shrine of the temple. While we don't yet know the full extent of the other tablets found, we may discover more parallels with Solomon's temple. This shows the temples not only were homes for the gods, or God in the case of Solomon's temple, but they fulfilled a role in regulating the obligation of the people toward their divine sovereign. In other words, placing these objects before the God in the inner shrine was a way of the people being accountable to God. For examples, from these examples, it's clear that the biblical descriptors, descriptions of Solomon's temple comports well with the traditions of temple architecture, design, decoration, and ideology in the land of Israel during the Iron Age, while still setting apart differences to reflect the distinctive religious beliefs of the Israelites. Well, I think that just about concludes our time together today. I hope you enjoyed hearing about other temples that put some context around Solomon's temple. If you are interested in learning more, you can read the article in full along with some amazing pictures at www.baslibrary.org. The article is titled Solomon's Temple in Context by Victor Hurowitz. As always, I encourage you to reach out to me via email, kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com and Facebook at Rebirth Network, where you can hear awesome devotionals by our minister, David James, and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. Please join us Monday when we will be discussing the judge and prophetess Deborah. Again, this is Kim Groves, hoping you have an amazing week. Stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. God bless.